I can't tell you how excited I am uh, to be here tonight, man. City Church, what's up? Ten years, baby, what's up? Ten years, I can't believe it, man. I mean, uh, I remember uh, Troy called me, I don't know, a couple of months ago, and or no, I think it was in October or sometime, and he said, uh, hey, man, did you know that we're coming up on ten years? And I said, there is no way that I'm that old. <laughs> There's just no way. But ten years ago, man, I can't believe that time has flown by that fast, and to see um, some of you here tonight are new that I've, I've just met tonight, and there's a lot of you in here that I've known for a while, and uh, to see that God's still moving forward, and, and I just want to honor, I want to honor Pastor Troy and Melody for all that they are doing, and many of you know, but some of you may not know uh, what this role entails, and how sacrificial it is, and how uh, difficult it can be sometimes, and how faith stretching, and how tiresome it can get and, and the grind of, of ministry and, and, and trying to reach people for Jesus. It's not an easy work, but it is a rewarding work. And, and I can tell you from working alongside of, of Pastor Troy for a, a long time and uh, having that privilege, I can tell you that there's no better guy and his incredible wife, who is his better half, um, to, to be here and to help lead uh, this church forward than Pastor Troy. Could you just honor your pastor tonight? He's just a phenomenal guy. I'm proud to call him my friend. And, um, and I'm proud to be here. For those of you who don't know, this is my beautiful wife, Rachel. Would you just stand up real quick? Come on, stand up. My goodness, stand up. Stand up. And my daughter, Ava, would you stand up? She's 13 now, guys. Look at her. I don't like it one bit, but, you know, she is. And so uh, we're glad to be here. My, my son, Nathan, I don't know where he's at. He's somewhere around here. And my little guy, Trace, he's no telling where he's at. I don't know where he's at. But um, my family, we're just excited to be here tonight. I'm excited about the future uh, of the church. I thank you for being here. Uh, and I want to talk to you tonight just real quick. I want to just bring some thoughts uh, to maybe inspire you. How many of you just want to be inspired tonight? Amen? Just want to be inspired. Let God just speak to your heart. Some of you need some encouragement. Uh, you're just going through some things. I know we're all going through stuff. And as Troy a- accurately mentioned, I-, I don't have much hair. And my hair just kind of skipped the graying stage. And it just left. It just said, no, we're out of here. We're so we all have our issues, right? So, so I've got issues. You've got issues. we all got issues. And we all just want to be encouraged sometimes. We need to be inspired. And I just want to talk to you tonight about the fact that God is able. And he's able, he can do anything. I know we live in a time and we live in a day sometimes where it feels like, you know, is God even paying attention to what's going on with me? Is there, is there any way that he is uh, aware of the situations that I'm going through? Is there, is, you know, what possibly is he working on my behalf? And I'm here to tell you that I came all the way up here just to simply tell you that our God is able, everybody. Come on, say amen. Our God is able, right? And I want to take you to the book of Joshua chapter 10 uh, tonight. There's an interesting account that I want to kind of walk through with you, and I hope you would open your heart tonight. But Joshua 10, verses 22 through 26, the Bible says, as Joshua said, open the mouth of the cave and bring those five kings out to me. So they brought the five kings out of the cave, the king of Jerusalem, Hebron, Jarmuth, Lashish, and Eglon. When they brought these kings to Joshua, he summoned all the men of Israel to stand or, or, and said to the army commanders who had come with them, come here and put your feet on the necks of these kings. And so they came forward and placed their feet on their necks. And Joshua said to them, do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Be strong and courageous. This is what the Lord will do to all the enemies you are going to fight. And then Joshua put the kings to death and exposed their bodies on five poles 
and they were left hanging on the poles until evening. I mean, you know, this is a great visual illustration right here. I mean, it's just, if you lived back in those days, it was sending a message. But I was reading this some days ago, and I was thinking about how our God is able, that he is able to overcome he is able to conquer. He is able to empower us to achieve great things and even impossible things in man's eyes. But before I believe we can have ultimate victory in our lives and the areas of our lives, we're going to have to face and overcome the same five kings that Joshua had to overcome in his day. The Bible says there were five kings that actually had stopped God's people from, from possessing the promised land and progressing in his purpose for them. And Joshua said, you know, we finally got the these guys. We finally got these five kings, and the Bible says they were hiding out in a cave. And so Joshua said, the first thing we're going to do is you've got to drag these five kings out into the light. And they're hiding in a dark place, and they're lurking in, a, in, in darkness. They're, they're keeping my people in defeat. And so I want you to drag them out of the cave right out here in the open. And then he says something strange. He said, I want you to put your foot on the neck of these five kings, and I want you to destroy them. I want you to go hang them on a tree. So no mercy for these guys, right? And I was thinking about these five kings and how he said, Joshua said to be strong. And Joshua said, be very courageous. And he said, do not be afraid. And, and the one word there I, I think that stood out to me the most was he said, you are not to be discouraged. Everybody say discouraged. It literally means don't fall apart. Don't let what you're dealing with and what you're facing cause you to be afraid. And I don't, I, don't know what, I don't know what you're dealing with tonight and what you're facing in your life, but I want you to understand that fear is the dark room where you develop your negative. Fear is the dark room where you develop your negative. He said, don't fall apart. Don't freak out because you're facing an impossibility, because you're facing a, 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 maybe a great opposition. Don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. Your God is able. He is able. But you've got to get victory over these five kings. And so what do these five kings represent to you and I? I believe that they represent in some way our five senses that we deal with. I believe that if we're going to battle the battle of faith and win the battle of faith, if we're going to see our families blessed, if we're going to see our lives blessed and see the favor and the blessing of God and be used to build a great church right here in DeSoto County, we've got to overcome these five kings. And I believe the five senses represent these five kings. Listen, these five kings that I'm going to talk about tonight, these are faith killers. These are massive faith killers. They lurk in the darkness. These are five kings, our five senses that you know the five senses, what you see and what you hear and what you taste and what you smell and what you feel. These guys are great evangelists for unbelief. They really are. Because if you allow them to, they will talk you out of everything that God has purposed for your life. And so what we've got to learn to do, we've got to learn to put our foot on the neck of our five senses and subdue them and say, you're not going to steal from me what I know God has promised my life. Amen, everybody? So I want us to go through these five senses just for a moment, these five kings, and you've got to conquer them if you're going to win the battle of faith, the fight of faith. Number one, write this down in your notes. The first we're going to do is the sense of what we smell. Everybody say smell. The sense of what we smell. In Daniel 3, you may recall the story where the Bible says the three Hebrew children were, were, were in the fiery furnace, right? And God had brought them out of the fiery furnace. And, and the Bible says that not a hair on their head was singed. And in Daniel 3, I want you to look at this scripture. The Bible says, so Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fire. And the satraps and the prefects and the governors and the royal advisors, they all crowded around them. 
and they saw that the fire had not harmed their bodies, nor was a, a hair of their head singed. Their robes were not even scorched. And watch this, everybody. He said, help me out. It says, and there was no what? There was no smell of smoke on them. And Scripture makes an interesting observation here, that there was not even the smell of smoke. In other words, they went through a fiery circumstance where they should have been burned up, they should have smelled like smoke, but they went through that situation and came out the other end of it, not even smelling like they had been through it. And the first thing you've got to do is you've got to be able to get your foot on the sense of smell. Listen, God doesn't want you to go through fiery trials and smell like them the rest of your life. Amen? Have you ever met people who have gone through a fiery circumstance and every time you get around, that's all they talk about? And that's all they complain about? And that's all they whine about? So maybe you got burned up by a relationship or you got burned by a business deal or you got burned by some church because some preacher was a hypocrite to you or, or somebody hurt you. And so now you go around judging everybody the same way. If you're going to have victory in the faith fight, you've got to get victory over what you smell. I don't know about you tonight, but I don't want to smell like everything that I've been through. I just don't. You know, I've been through a lot of stuff in ministry. Ministry just has a way of doing that. And I believe that, that, that this is why the priests in the Old Testament had to burn incense because as people in ministry, we can take the smell of our work home with us. You know, dealing with problems and, and we got to put up with it, you know, all kinds of stuff in the church and you got sister bucket mouth, don't know when to shut up and you got all this stuff going on and, and problems and situations. And, and it's easy for us to take home the smell of our work. But I don't want to take home to my kids the smell of what I'm dealing with for the Lord. Think of the Old Testament priests. Can you imagine what they smelled like after the end of a day of ministry in the Old Testament? Burning, sacrificing bulls and, and, and sheep. And Can you imagine the, the, the stench of blood and, and the stench of gore? And God said to the priests in the Old Testament, to kill the smell of ministry, burn some incense, right? And that's why I believe we ought to be worshipers, everybody, because worship is a type of incense that burns, and worship is how you get victory over the stuff that life wants to cause you to smell like. You remember in, in Luke chapter 11, the Bible says that Lazarus was dead for three days, for even four days. And do you remember what Jesus said? Jesus said, remove the stone anyway. Remove it anyway. And they said to him, no, you don't understand he said, he's been dead for four days. And actually in the King James Version, they said to him, and he, by now he stinketh. He stinketh. Now, when you stinketh in the King James, how many of you know that's bad? You stink if you stinketh in the King James. But when they said, uh, now wait a minute, Jesus, you gotta, he, this guy's been dead for four days. You know what that was? That was a statement of unbelief. But Jesus had already said, move the stone away anyway. I don't care what the condition he's in, move the stone. And literally what Jesus was saying was, does he stink? Yes, he stinks. But I still want you to believe. Maybe your marriage stinks tonight. Believe anyway. Maybe your finances stink right now. Believe anyway. Maybe your children are, are going through a season where it just seems like, man, they just can't get their act together and it just stinks. Man, believe Jesus anyway because how many of you know our God is able, everybody? He is able. Listen, in spite of what you see or you feel or you smell, whatever the sense is, the truth is that our God is able. Amen, everybody? But if you're not careful, you'll let this king hold you hostage. This king of what you smell. 
heard about some grandchildren who had an old grandpa, and he had one of these, uh, you know, one of them big old handlebar mustaches, right? Uh, this old grandpa did. And, and one day, they, 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 these little grandchildren, they took some of that, 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 that Limburger cheese. You know that kind that just stinks really bad? You know, they, they took some of this cheese, and these little brats, they put it in his handlebar mustache while he was taking a nap. And then they woke him up. And the minute he woke up, he sat in the bed, and he smelled. He, man, his bedroom smells. And he got up and he walked out to the kitchen and he sat down to eat a snack. And he he said, he took a whiff of the kitchen. Man, this kitchen stinks. And he got up and he walked outside to get out of the house. And he, he said, man, the whole world stinks. Everything stinks. And what I want you to see is that if you're not careful, you can go through so much stuff and get burned by so many people and go through so many circumstances that you start going around with this old stinky mindset and negative words and a negative attitude. And the word of the Lord to you tonight is just because you've gone through the fire doesn't mean you've got to spend the rest of your life smelling like it. Burn some incense of praise, man. Thank God that you still got a future. Come on, I don't know why y'all are quiet in here. Thank God you still got a future, everybody. God has a purpose. The very fact that you are sitting here breathing oxygen tonight is evidence that God is not done with you yet. He's got a purpose and a plan for you. So there's this, there's this king of smell, this sense of smell we got to get a hold of. But there's a second king that I believe we got to put our foot on. That's number two. Write this down. It is the sense of what we feel. Everybody say feel feeling right it's one of the five senses the sense of touch and if you don't watch it listen to me you'll begin to get into your feelings more than you get into your faith this this is a real enemy of faith right here the sense of feelings the sense of touch do you remember the story of Isaac and, and, and Isaac the bible said was on his deathbed and he wanted he wanted before he died to 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 bless his oldest son and he the bible said he had gone blind he had gone blind so he couldn't really see and in Genesis 27 look what the bible says it said then Isaac said to Jacob Isaac's there he says come near so i can touch you my son to know whether you are really my son Esau or not and Jacob went close to his father Isaac who touched him and said, The voice is the voice of Jacob, but the hands are the hands of Esau. He did not recognize him for his hands were hairy like those of his brother Esau. So he proceeded to bless him. Are you really my son Esau? He asked. I am, he replied. Then he said, My son, bring me some of your, your, your game to eat so that I may, may, may give you my, my blessing. And Jacob brought it to him and he ate and he brought some of the wine and, and, and he drank. So Isaac's this old man. And he's gone blind, and right before he dies, he wants to bless his oldest son. And so he calls in Esau, but Jacob wanted the blessing. And so Jacob deceived his father by putting on his arms. He put on some goat hair because Esau was a hairy brother. And so he put on some goat hair, and so he walks into his daddy's bedroom, and his daddy's lying there. He walks in to steal the blessing. And his daddy says, who is it? He said, it's me, dad. It's your oldest son, Esau, who you're supposed to be uh, giving the blessing to. And the Bible says the old man reached up and he started feeling his arm. Started feeling his arm because he knew his oldest boy, Esau, was one hairy dude. So he was just trying to make sure because he couldn't see. He was blind. Now, here's what's interesting about what he said. This is an interesting thing. He said this. He said, you sound like Jacob... But you feel like Esau. And he decided to, Isaac decided to go on his feelings instead of what he was hearing. Are y'all, are y'all following what I'm saying? He gave the blessing to the wrong son 
because he went on his feelings and not on what he's hearing. My point is simply this. If we go by what we feel instead of what we hear from God, listen, we're going to miss it every time. Church, we got to get to the place where we get beyond our feelings. Because how many of you know your feelings are fickle? Your feelings will mess you up. You could be up one day and down the next. And if you just let your feelings take you on a ride, they will. They'll take you right out of the will of God. Sometimes in church, you get your feelings hurt. Who hadn't? Sometimes in ministry, you get your feelings hurt. Sometimes in marriage, you absolutely will get your feelings hurt. It just happens. But we've got to learn how to subdue our feelings. We've got to learn how to put our foot on the neck of our feelings and say, you know what, I can't let what my feelings say stop me. Just because I didn't get the solo on the praise team, I'm not going to quit the praise team. Just because pastor gave this job to this person and didn't give it to me, I'm not going to let that, my feelings stop me from, from hurting. I'm not going to let my, my, feelings, my hurt feelings stop me from serving. I'm going I'm to keep working for the kingdom of God because I'm not working for Pastor Troy. I'm working for Jesus. So it doesn't matter. Come on, we got to get victory over our feelings. Say amen, somebody. Did you know that in, on Noah's ark, think about this. All those animals on the ark were natural predators of one another. But you don't read of one fight breaking out on the ark. Not one. And do you know why? Because all those animals understood that there's only one boat in this storm. There's just one. There's just one boat. And we're all in this thing together, and we can't afford to be fighting one another and cannibalizing each other. we got to get through this thing and, and, and live. And do you know what the last command that God gave Noah before he, he, he shut the door of the ark? Do you know what the last command was? He said this. This is true. You can read your Bible and find out. He said, keep the woodpeckers above the water line. Keep the woodpeckers above the water line. I'm serious. And why is that? I'll tell you, because I believe every church has some woodpeckers. Every business, every ministry has a few woodpeckers that if they get below the waterline, you know what they'll do? They'll start pecking holes all in the structure, and they'll sink the whole thing just because they got their feelings hurt. Listen, we cannot allow our feelings to stop us from doing what God has called us to do. And if you've had your feelings hurt and what they said and what she said and what he said and, and I got my feelings hurt, you've got to learn to put your foot on the neck of those feelings and say, you know what, I'm, I'm going to serve anyhow. I, I'm going I'm to love God anyhow. I'm going to go on anyhow. I'm going to love people anyway. I'm going to be a team player anyway. I'm going to worship God anyway. If you don't, you're going to live an entire life of defeat because your feelings will derail you. There's a, a third king that we got to put our foot on, not just what we smell and what we feel, but number three, write this down, it's the sense of what we see. Everybody say, it's what I see. Yeah. One of these five senses that we have is, is seeing. And it will talk you out of the God's best for your life if you're not careful. Second Corinthians chapter 5, the apostle Paul said it so eloquent. He said, help me out, everybody. He said, for we walk by what? Come on, help me out. For we walk by what? And not by what? Sight, right? And in the Old Testament, there's this interesting story about a prophet named Elisha. And the Bible says that he and his servant woke up one morning, and they discovered that their house was surrounded by the Assyrian army who had come in to, to attack. 
And he turned to his servant and he said, walk out there and tell me what you see. And the boy walks out. He sees these enemy chariots completely surrounding the house. And he walked back in and he said, oh my gosh. Oh man. Oh, what are we going to do, prophet? They're everywhere. They've got us surrounded. And Elisha, the Bible says, prayed this interesting prayer in 2 Kings 16. Look what it says. It said, Elisha prayed, open his eyes, Lord, so that he may what? See. And the Lord opened the servant's eyes, and he looked and saw the hills full of horses and and chariots of fire all around Elisha. And Elisha said, open his eyes. Open his eyes. And he walked back out there on the same porch, but this time... He didn't just see ground level. And and listen to me, that's our problem right there. When we get into a fight, we get into a battle, all we see is ground level. All we see is what's right in front of us, right? But I believe tonight that as followers of Jesus Christ, we're called to lift our eyes into the hills from where our help comes from. And our help is from the Lord, amen? So I'm talking to you that when you get, I'm telling you, when you get the bad report, when you get the, the, the bad x-ray, when something is going wrong in your family, in your home, and your finances, and you've got an impossibility that you're facing, when you're facing that difficulty that seems just way too big for you to overcome, you can't allow what you smell and what you feel and what you see to talk you out of what God has promised you. Ultimately, God has promised victory in your life. Look what he says in Isaiah 43. This is God talking. He said, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. Why? For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. You may go through this thing or that thing or through this fire or through that flood, but ultimately God has planned no defeat for his children. How many of you know God is for you, not against you? And if God is for you, who can be against you? Amen? We cannot be detoured by what we see. The Bible said when Elijah's servant walked back out, he didn't just see the Assyrian army the second time. But when he lifted up his eyes and he looked into the hills, he saw chariots of fire, the Bible said. There was angels surrounding all in the hills, and he saw it for the first time. And I don't know what you're seeing tonight in your life. I don't know what it is that, that, that you, you, you just can't help but to see, and it's just there. You may be seeing the enemy at work in your life, but if you'll pray, and if you'll look through eyes of faith, you won't just see the enemy. You'll see the armies of the living God surrounding you on every side. You don't have to just see the problem. Listen, friends, you can see the promises of God. And you have, to, you have to make the choice. What are you going to focus on? Are you going to focus on the problem? Or are you going to focus on the promise? The promise of God. What are you looking at? What are you seeing? What are you focusing on? Listen, I believe that God's word is more powerful than the bad report. Amen? God's word is more powerful than the enemy that is at work in your life. God's word is more powerful than what you see in the natural. I heard a story about a chicken yard and a hen house and how there was this rooster and he had all these hens laying eggs, man. And he's out there. And one day there were these two little boys next door at the house next door and they were playing football. And they had gotten this brand new white colored football that they were playing with. They accidentally kicked this white football into over here, over the fence, and it rolled into the hen yard. And so this, this, this old rooster went to looking at this, this big old white football. And he called out to the hens. He said, hey, girls, come on out here. And so they all came out there and stood around. And he said, now, girls, listen, I don't mean to be mean and all, but these are the kind of eggs they're producing next door, and you need to get with it. Right? 
my point. My point is if we're not careful, we'll get to looking at at so-and-so's church down the street. And we'll get to looking at this church over here and that church over there and what somebody else is doing that we stop focusing on the blessings that God has for our life right where we are. Get your foot on what you see and say, Lord, I don't care what I see in the natural. I believe what you said is true, and that's the end of it. Amen, everybody? Come on, I'm talking about don't be talked out of your miracle. Don't, be, don't let what you see talk you out of God's best for your life. You know, I remember when we got ready to, to launch this church in 2003. And I remember, and many of you heard the video this morning and, and, and kind of the story we kind of told through that. But I remember we had a little small group of people that had kind of mustered around us um, before we even launched the church. And so most of 2003, we were just every Friday night in our little apartment, living room, just praying and, and, and teaching through vision and, and, and what God wanted to do. And, and so we got this really bright idea. We had this little small group of people. That's all it was. It was just a, a small group in a dream. And it, it was nothing else. We didn't have nothing and I remember that we got this big idea that in November and through December, we're going to launch the church in January of 04, but in November and December, we were going to host what we call these pre-launch meetings. And we were advertising, and we had a hotel room rented out, and we had musicians, and we had worship ready. We had child care, all of this whole little small group I had. We had everything ready. We had fasted and prayed. I mean, this is going to be great because we're going to try to, to grow like about 100 people before we even open the church. So when we opened the church, we had a lot of people that would get on board and help us to serve and, and be a part of our ministries and all that. So night number one, we're all excited. We get to the hotel, man. Everybody's in place. Everybody's got their lanyards on. Everybody's a shower, everybody looking clean, everybody's ironed up, everybody's ready to go, we're smiling, we're praying, and all of a sudden it starts at 6.30, and 6.30 comes and nobody's there, and 6.35 came and nobody's there, and about a quarter till seven, one of the people in my small group came to me and said, um, um, pastor, uh, nobody's here, uh, what, what, what do you want to do, and I'm like, well, let's just wait till seven, so we wait till seven o'clock, we're praying, nobody shows up. So I pulled my small group together. I'm like, well, let's just pack it up, and, and we'll try next week. So we got out there the whole next week, and we marketed, man. We promoted. We're going to have these pre-launch gatherings and all this stuff, man. We get to the hotel on, on Saturday night. Man, we're ready, prayed up, lanyards on, smiles on. Everybody's excited. The musicians are ready to go. And, man, 6.30 comes around. Nobody shows up. Second week in a row, nobody. 7 o'clock, nobody's there. And, man, I can, I can tell me if you know I'm getting a little discouraged right about now. And so third week, long story short, this happened three weeks in a row. Nobody, nobody, nobody. We even had nobody call and say, man, I wanted to come, and I just couldn't make it. I mean, nobody showed up. Nobody. And it was even more demoralizing because we actually had these cool full-colored invite cards, you know, and we had just raided the movie theater parking lots and put stuff under, you know, windshield wipers and Walmart parking lots. Dude, it was so demoralizing. We actually went to Walmart the very next day, and there's like this huge bag of our invites in the trash can at Walmart, and I'm just like, <laughs> just demoralizing man it really was and you know what the whole time we're supposed to be launching the church in two months and this happened to us and you know what the whole time I heard the enemy just whispering in my ear do you see this do you see this 
Do you see what has happened to you the last three weeks? Do you see? I want you to see it. I want you to see what I am doing to you. This is never going to work. Why don't you just pack up? Why don't you just go back where you came from? The Soto County doesn't want you. They don't want what you're bringing here. Don't you see? Don't you see that if you do this in January, it's going to even be a more public mockery. You're going to be the laughing stock of this county if you do this. I want you to see it. Man, listen, the enemy has a great way of drawing pictures for you. He will draw pictures for you of what his end intent is, right? And you know what I had to do? I had to make up my mind. And this is not because I'm just such a great man of faith. I'm, just, I'm really not. But I had to make up my mind. Did God call me or did he not call me? And I had to learn to put my foot on the neck of what I saw and what I felt. Because you can't go by what you see. You go by what God says. And how many of you know God is able? He is able, everybody. Amen? He's able. Look at City Church now, 10 years later, still reaching people for Christ, still making a difference in this community. Amen, everybody. Come on, give God some praise tonight. Amen. Come on, he's worthy of it. God is faithful. Now listen, there's another thing I want to hit on real quick. We've got to get under control, and it's number four, the sense of what we hear. Everybody say my hearing. This is very important. It's a big one, what you hear. In Luke 18, here's what Jesus said. Jesus said, help me out, everybody. He said, take heed to what you what? Hear, right? Be careful what you listen to. Be careful what you allow to cross the bridge of your ear and get into your spirit. Because it can contaminate your faith big time. The Bible talks about how we have to have control of our hearing and get victory over what we hear. In the Old Testament, the the scripture talks about Elijah and how everybody in his day was kind of like our day today. Everybody was screaming, recession, poverty, there's famine in the land, there's layoffs, and it's bad. And on top of that, you're probably going to get the flu. And so you're going to lose your job, get the flu, and, and you're going to lose everything, and, it's, and you ain't going to make it, right? This is what was happening in Elijah's day. And right in the middle of all these bad reports on ABC and NBC and Woe Is Me TV, right in the middle of all of this in 1 Kings 18, the Bible says, Then Elijah said to Ahab, who was the king, he said, Go up and eat and drink, for there is the what? There is the sound of abundance of rain. See, guys, I'm talking about faith. I'm talking about believers who don't just join in with the negative spirit of our world. we got to put our foot on what we see, what we feel, what we smell, and even keep our foot on what we're hearing every day. Elijah said, look, I know what you're hearing, but I'm hearing something completely different. I know you're hearing recession and famine and woe is me and it's all doom and gloom, but I hear another sound. I'm tuned into another frequency here, and I know it's not mind over matter. It's actually faith over unbelief. And and it's believing God's word and what he says over what everybody else says because God has got this problem, you see. God's got this big problem that he thinks he's God. I don't know. And he says, I don't care what everybody else says. I'm not hearing all of that. I hear the sound of the abundance of rain. I hear something else. We've got to get to the place where we can put our foot on what we hear. 
When I thought about David and how David was about to go out into battle, and in 1 Chronicles 14, the Bible says this, So David inquired of God again, and God answered him, Do not go directly after them, but circle around them and attack them in front of the poplar trees. Watch this right here. In verse 15 it says, As soon as you what? As soon as you hear the sound of marching in the tops of the poplar trees, move out to battle because that will mean God has gone out in front of you to strike the Philistine army. So David was hearing the enemy closing in on him. That's what he was hearing. I'm about to die. And God said, no, I don't know what you're hearing, but I'm hearing a moving in the bushes, man. I'm hearing a sound of victory coming to your life, David. Oh, come on, I'm talking about, I hear the sound of some blessing coming to you. I hear the sound of my favor coming to you. I hear the sound of healing, the sound of blessed children rising up to serve Jesus in their generation. That's what I'm hearing. You're hearing people say, well, you know, you just got to accept those kids the way they are because, you know, they probably just, no, 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 I ain't listening to all that. I ain't listening to all that because I believe his report. And as believers, we're not going to allow the enemy to just just have us to succumb to what he shows us and what he fills our ears with. Remember the story of Jesus in John 12? He was talking to a group of people about his coming death and, and what he was about to face. And the Bible says that this loud voice boomed out of heaven, right? And the Bible says that some of the people there, watch this, some of the people there had actually said that they heard thunder. Some people said they heard thunder when what they really heard was the voice of God. Other people there recognized it as the voice of God, but some of them said all they heard, all I heard was thunder. And do you know right now, even in this room, and in my church too, even right here, right now, there are some people who all they hear is thunder. All they hear is noise. It's just all racket to them. They hear praise and worship, and it's just racket. It's just noise. They hear the teaching of your pastor, and it's just a bunch of words. It's just all racket. But there's another group of people who hear the voice of God in it. They hear the voice of God. And I'm telling you the amazing thing. When we get victory over our hearing and say, Lord, I'm going to tune into your report. I'm going to believe what you are saying. And you may say, well, you know, you, you don't know what kind of bad news I've gotten recently. You don't know what's, what I've been hearing re- recently. Listen, I came here tonight to tell you that God is able, everybody. He is able in spite of what you feel, what you hear, what you smell, what you see. How many of you believe that our God is able to turn it around on a dime. Amen, everybody? And then lastly, we got to get victory over this fifth king. I'm going to get out of your way. Number five is this, the sense of what we taste. Everybody say taste. I thought about how in the Old Testament, the Bible said that Elisha had come back to Gilgal to meet with a kind of a council of prophets and kind of get together with them. And, and he asked his servant to make a pot of stew for everybody. Go make some stew. Everybody's hungry. We're going to be talking. and Just go make some stew. And so the servant went out, and he found, he found these wild vines, and he began to cut the gourds off of these vines and brought them back, and, and he cut them up, and he threw them in a pot and started making some stew out of them, even though nobody knew what these gourds were. Nobody even knew what they were. He just cut up some stuff and put it in a pot. And so the Bible says that as these prophets begin to eat the stew, they begin to cry out, Man of God, there is death in the pot. And what they were basically saying is that the stew was poisoned. It was poisoned. They were all going to die. Now watch in 2 Kings chapter 4. Elisha said this. He said, then bring some flour. 
And he put it into the pot and he said, serve it to the people that they may eat. And there was nothing harmful in the pot. Now, I want to show you something real quick. Flour represents the bread of life, the word of the living God. So listen to me. Whatever is poison in your life right now, take some word and put it in it. Is your marriage poisoned right now? Put some flour in the stew. Are your children not acting right? Start praying back to God the word that he's already given you. Start praying his word to him. You see, we got to understand this, that faith places no limitation on God, and God places no limitations on faith. So take some flour, take some word of God, and put it into your poison, man. Instead of getting up every day and saying, well, I'm going to go to work, and I know I'm not going to get any business. And I know I'm not going to sell anything. and I'm not going to have any contracts. No, no. Take the word of God and put it in your mouth. Get some scriptures and put it in your poisonous situation. You've got to get victory over taste. And I thought about what, how, they, how when Jesus was on the cross, do you remember what the scripture said they did to him while he was on the cross? Matthew 27, the Bible says, there they offered Jesus wine. In some translation, it actually says vinegar to drink mixed with gall. Watch this. But after what? Come on, help me out. But after what? Tasting it, he refused to drink it. I love this. They took a sponge, they dipped it in, in, in vinegar and gall, and they pressed it to the master's lips as he was hanging on the cross. Now, vinegar mixed with gall was extremely bitter. It was nasty. It is a bitter, bitter taste. And you know what they were basically saying doing this is, because we've crucified you, we want you to become bitter. We want you to take in the bitterness because of what we've done to you. And Jesus hanging on the cross, when, when they pressed this bitter sponge to his lips, he refused to drink it. And in that moment, Jesus got victory over the fifth king. You know what he was saying? You know what Jesus was saying? You hurt me. You, you did me wrong. You, you inflicted pain on me. I am innocent in this situation, but I refuse to become bitter at you. I refuse to take your bitterness into my life. There are some of you right now, you've been done wrong, you've been hurt. But let me tell you, victory comes in your life when you can put your foot on that situation that the thing that Satan sent to your life to make you bitter and angry and upset and tense and get you all messed up, you can put your foot on that king of taste and you can say, I refuse that bitterness into my life. I refuse to take that bitterness in because the power of Christ rests in me. Guess what I can do? I can forgive, man. I can love my enemies. I can do good to those who do wrong toward me. That's the power of a faith-filled life. And so, as a, if I can get the musicians just to come and help me find an exit ramp, that'd be great. But here's what we're going to do in the, in, as, as we close this up. Tonight, you're going to determine to get victory over some of these kings in your life. I don't know what you're facing. I don't know what, what the enemy is showing you. Even those of you, and I, I, I'm so excited that we got people here tonight who, who, who are serving Jesus in, in other ministries around our county. I'm so glad you guys have come back for tonight. But there are some of you here that you, you're here at City Church. This is your pastor and his wife. You're serving here. And let me tell you, I know what it's like. I know what it's like 
to pastor in challenging circumstances. I don't know what, I don't know what, what circumstances you're seeing right now, even in regards to your church. What are you seeing? What are you feeling? What are you tasting? What do you smell? I don't know what you're facing. I don't know what the enemy is showing you, what negative circumstances seem to be overwhelming in your life. And you know, I was thinking about David and Goliath the other day. You know, I've heard so many great sermons about David and Goliath over my life. Preached a couple of them. Heard a guy even years ago preach a message on why David picked up five stones. And he proved biblically, and it's actually in your Bible, that Goliath had four other brothers. And so David's plan was, I'm going to wipe the whole family out. I'm going to take them all out. And he was saying, this guy was preaching, saying that, you know, David was just like, I'm going to kill Goliath, but his brothers want a piece of me. You come get me, son. Come on, step to me. So he got five stones, right? That's a pretty good point, isn't it? I heard another guy preach about David and Goliath and these five stones. And, and he said, man, these five stones represent the, the, the letters and the name that would come that would bring us deliverance from the Goliath of sin. And, you know, J-E-S-U-S, you know, that's good stuff too. And all you need is a ham and organ and a Pentecostal crowd. You can have church on that right there. It's good stuff. I'm telling you. But you know why I think David picked up four more stones than he actually needed? I think it's because he's scared he's going to miss. See, my point is this. It doesn't take a lot of faith. It just takes mustard seed faith. It just takes a little faith, man. You don't have to have great faith. You just got to have you just got to have a little bit of faith. And one day I read that about David and Goliath and I I felt like the Lord spoke to me and said, "Son, always remember I'll never send you into battle to to fight a great gigantic problem and only just give you just enough to defeat it with. But I'm a God who'll give you more than enough. One stone would have been enough for David, but God said, I'll give you more than enough. How many of you know we serve a God of more than enough? Amen. How many of you know our God is able tonight? Amen, everybody. Come on, everybody say, my God is able. Now say it like you mean it, man. Say, my God is able. Amen. Come on, let's give him some praise tonight, everybody. Can we do that? Amen. Now let me just pray for you real quick with your heads bowed and eyes closed. Father, I just thank you. Lord, I don't know why you put this on my heart. I don't know why you said, go, go preach this to City Church. I hope it didn't fall on deaf ears. Lord, I just pray that you would do in this moment right now what we could not do for ourselves. That you would inspire somebody in this room. That tonight would be the beginning for somebody's life. It would be the beginning of them stop living under their potential and they start from tonight forward to living up to the potential they have in you, Jesus. For somebody tonight, it's going to be the night they stop They stop settling for defeat. They stop settling for discouragement. They stop settling. And they say, you know what, I'm going to put my foot on these things. I don't care what I'm feeling or hearing or or tasting or smelling or or seeing. I'm going to believe what God said about my life. That He's not done with me. So as you're praying right now tonight, just right where you are, 
that's you tonight and you say, man, I got one of those kings that's fighting me pretty hard. But I'm just going to determine tonight. I'm going to get authority over this because Jesus gave it to me. And I'm going to live up to my potential. I'm not going to be defeated by this. I'm going to see what Jesus wants me to see. I'm going to hear what he's saying. I'm going to feel what he wants me to feel. I'm going to have a good taste in my mouth, man. I'm going to do it God's way, but I just need prayer. Because I got one or more of these kings that are fighting me pretty hard. I want to pray for you just right where you are. No one looking around. Just right where you are. Just lift your hand right there and say, that's me. Come on. Come on. Right now, tonight. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray over every one of these hands that are raised. Every one of these people, God, that are believing you for great things. Their circumstances are saying different. But they're believing you for great things. Lord, I pray that the strength of your spirit would rise up within them. That have the strength and the courage to put their foot on the enemies of their life. And they would see victory. And they would raise to a level. Father, I pray for City Church. Oh God, I pray for this church that your hand would be upon it. Lord, that you would use it in greater capacity than than any man has ever seen. God, that you would use this church greater than what we've seen, what we've heard, what we've felt, what we've tasted, God. That you would use this church in a greater capacity. That you would put fresh dreams and vision and inspiration and passion and desire to fill our hearts for how you want to use this church. Lord, I pray for Pastor Troy and Melody, God, that you would give them strength and wisdom and direction. Let your anointing be upon them powerfully. Lord, bless them with favor, the favor of your presence upon their life. Oh, God, I pray that you'd give this pastor and his wife, Lord, I pray that you'd give them the strength and the power and the encouragement, Lord, to stare every one of these kings down and to put their foot on them and say, no, I'm going to believe what God says about this church. Have your way here, Lord. We give you praise for it. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said a big amen. Come on, let's give one more praise, everybody. Amen, everybody. Now listen, real quick. I want us to do something tonight. And Pastor Troy didn't ask me to do this. And he he might kill me afterwards. But I want to do something tonight. This is on me. And you can participate with this and you don't have to. But on the 10th anniversary, 10 years, man, 10 years of people in this room whose lives were changed. I, I wasn't even in this room five minutes. I had three families come up to me and say, this church is a reason my life changed. Somewhere in the history of it, in the last 10 years. And no telling, there's probably many more of you. And maybe even some that are not even here tonight. Well, you know, God deserves our best. And God deserves us to honor and worship Him. God deserves us to sacrificially invest in lives being changed and so what we're going to do is this I want us I want us to participate in a 10th anniversary offering for City Church I know you didn't come here for, to, to participate in an offering but I, I don't care I'm not after listen I don't want your light bill money I don't want your rent money I don't want your house payment money I don't want your gas money here's, here's the money that, that I think that God is asking for I want your red box money for February Okay, I want your Coke and chips everyday money. 
I want you to pay us $8 for a sandwich every day at work out money for the month of February. And here's why. There's a lot of things that God's put in these guys' heart to do here. But everything takes resources. Trust me, I know. We're in some projects right now that I can begin to describe to you the financial feat and the stress that we're under. But it's just part of vision, man. It takes sacrifice. You know, do you know what I define sacrifice as? And you write this down if you want to. This has been one of my favorite definitions of sacrifice. It's this right here. Sacrifice is giving up what you love for what you love more. Right? So here, let me, let me give you an illustration. I teach a lot about sacrifice in our church. And we have three services on Sunday morning. And, and our, our 10, 15 service is just like... I mean, over like there's no there's nowhere to park, there's nowhere to sit. It's just ridiculous. And the other two services are are full too. But I had to go to my our people and say, "Hey, all my 10, 15 people, listen. I know y'all love this service. This is your service. You know, it's where we're gonna go. We're gonna go to this service, 10, 15. But if this is the prime time slot, then this is the service where most people who are far from God are probably gonna come in to check it out." And so I'm asking you to sacrifice, to give up what you love, this service, and go to another one because you give up what you love for what you love more. And how many of you people love more seeing people come to Jesus? And everybody just went, oh, I just erupted. I said, all right. So I want all of you to prayerfully consider, get out of this service. Go to another one. we got to free up some seats, right? And they did. You know, sometimes, you know, we all love Reese's Pieces. But we also like to fit in our clothes too. So sometimes you got to live, you got to give up what you love for, for what you love more, right? It's just part of sacrifice. And so tonight I'm going to challenge you without any compulsion, just from my heart to yours. And I'm going to tell you how I'm going to step out first. Because we planted this church. And we made a lot of mistakes along the way. And we did a lot of good things along the way. And God helped us and taught us along the way. But I've got an investment of blood, sweat, and tears into this church. To lives of many people and still dear to us in some of the greatest years of our life. And so what we're going to do in terms of as far as me and Evangel goes, our church in Columbus, here's what I'm going to do. Because I know from conversations past, just me and Pastor Troy talking shop and stuff. And he said, man, I've heard, I hear him dream. Let me tell you, God's put a dream in this guy's heart. He's got a vision. That's one thing I love about Troy. Troy's got vision. And Troy will talk to you about vision. He'll keep talking to you about vision. And he won't stop talking to you about his vision. And if you ask Pastor Troy, hey, man, could you just not talk to me about your vision anymore? He'll say, sure, just can I tell you one more time? And I won't say no more. This guy's got some vision. But vision also takes resources. And just in the course of conversations over weeks past, he's telling me, man, I've asked him, hey, man, what are some of the things that, that you really need right now? the church could really use you know one of the things he said is man we really need to get a, a mic'd in drum room enclosed because it's so loud in, in our auditorium we need to control that and make it comfortable for people well we built one a state of the art one where we are right now so I know all about that and so he may not know this tonight but and it's not cheap I can, I can promise you that done right it's not cheap at all but we're going to sew that into city church our church is we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna buy City Church a drum room for your worship team to mic that up. And, and let me tell you what else I'm going to do. You don't know this. You don't know this one at all. But 
We're also going to supply the resources for you to get that incredible website that you need and that you want. We're going to help you guys do that because we love you. We're going to provide that for y'all. So, look, hey, I don't need the applause. I don't, I don't forget that. I don't need all that. I don't I, I need to say that for that. I, I give God all the glory. Why am I saying that? I'm saying that because I believe leaders take the first step. So as a leader, I'm taking the first step. And I'm investing in this house. He was telling me, man, you know, hey, did y'all know? Hey, this is funny. We were laughing about this the other day. Did y'all know that these are the same screens and projectors we had when we opened the church in 2004? That's old, y'all. Technology has gone way beyond. There's a lot of good stuff out there, right? But stuff costs what? Money, right? You see these cracks in the screens and stuff? That's just wear and tear. It's just use. And, you know, you got new people coming in here and checking the church out, and they're looking at everything. you got a great place here. But these are little things that people see. And from day one, I know Pastor Troy's been around us long enough. Man, we, and we talked about this for years, about we value excellence, right? We value excellence. And so we need to invest in that. We need to get some new screens and some new projectors. He told me, man, I, I love, he has this dream. Like, I just, I want to see, uh, I want to see some life in our children's ministry areas. I want to get an artist to come in and do some great murals on the wall and just make it real animated and life-giving for children to come in and just not want to leave God's house, man. And I said, yeah, that's awesome. But that takes sacrifice. That's not, that's not free. And so I'm taking the first step and saying I'm going to invest in the city church as a leader. And, and this is not even the church I pastor. And yet you guys go here. And so all the more reason why I'm going to challenge you to invest in where you are. And so I want you to dig deep. I mean dig deep. I want you to open your wallet, open your purse, get out your checkbook. You spell million, M-I-L-L. I, okay? <laughs> but come on, let's dig deep. I don't see anybody moving. Come on, let's move. Let's get, let's get, let's get busy. Come on, let's get some. I want your Redbox money. I want your Taco Bell money. I want all that. Let's, let's invest in some changed lives. Amen, everybody. Come on, let's sacrifice together. I'm going to pray, and then I want our ushers to come, and they're going to worship. Are you ready? We're going to do it. Here we go. One.